Thanks for checking out the Refuge Official Podcast. Wherever you're from, we hope that this message will encourage you and help you grow in your relationship with God. Welcome, everyone. Uh, I have the opportunity to introduce the guest speakers. Oh, they're not really guests, they're quite a refuge. But I just wanted to uh, share a little bit about this series titled Summer Camp. It's really, what do you burn for? Uh, what's your passion? You know, and let me just tell you this before they come, because I'm going to tell you a little bit about them as we so you can get to know them a little better, things they may not say about themselves. But um, passion has to do with what you burn for. And if you want to know what your passion is, a clue to it is what you love and what you hate. The scripture says in Hebrews chapter 1 that Jesus loved righteousness and he hated iniquity. And the love for his righteousness caused him to do something to address iniquity and sin. And he laid his life down to sacrifice himself for our sin. And so his passion was to see you receive the righteousness of God so that you could live right. And his hatred was for sin, the thing that was destroying us. And so he dealt with that too. And so passion has to do with what you love and what you hate. I'm going to read a, just a quick definition from the Urban Dictionary. It says, passion is when you put more energy into something than is required to do it. It is more than just enthusiasm or excitement. Passion is ambition that is materialized into action to put as much heart, mind, body, and soul into something as is possible. I think that's a great definition, don't you? I believe it's an intense enthusiasm that motivates you to do something significant. And so what is your passion? And, and as Sam and Mel shared this morning, you're going to hear their passion, and we also want you to identify your passion as well. Um, so to tell you a little bit about them, uh, Sam, at the age of 12, was the first time he visited Refuge. At that time, the church was called Good News Fellowship Church. And we had the power team in and, the power team is basically all these big bodybuilders, uh, uh, ex-NFL players that would break things. We set the stage up. We actually covered it with plywood. They were breaking bricks. They were doing all kinds of uh, superhuman feats. And he was in the service with, and I don't know how I agreed to this, but I agreed to lay on a bed of nails with 300 pounds of ice on my chest. So I had, I was sandwiched between these bed of nails and then they took this big sledgehammer and broke the ice over me. Yeah, I can't, I'm alive, but so I, 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 all the son Daniel was screaming, Daddy, they're gonna kill you. So I, anyway. But Sam, that was his first service here and God planted a seed in his heart. And it was years later, that he had now came to visit again because there was a how we gotta go back to that church. And God ignited something in that heart. And from that service, from that time, they've been part of us. And they've served in so many capacities. They serve as young adult leaders, they volunteer for refuge to ministries, uh, helping with the youth. Uh, they have served, you've served as host. 
sure you've greeted, you've done all kinds of things, led small groups, part of the prayer team. You know, they're just people that are involved. They also serve with crew, uh, a college campus ministry in, in our community that's a national ministry around the nation, but they're involved people. And, and they desire to see people's lives changed with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And uh, just recently, they've actually assisted Pastor Deb and I with premarital prep. So they're being trained in that whole process because we like to invest in couples before they get married. We want to give them a good, good start, right, in life, especially when it comes to marriage. But something, and as, as they can come on up here, this. Uh, I really love this couple, and it's because of their love for Jesus and their passion. And so as they minister this morning, take the heart of what they're going to say, because I believe it's going to be life-giving, and at the same time it's going to be challenging to you to address maybe some issues in your life that are holding you back from fulfilling the purpose of God for your life. So, guys, take it away. Thank you, Pastor Matt. We so greatly appreciate being a part of this church and having every opportunity that we can to speak to you guys and, and minister to you in any way possible. But before I get started, I just want to give God a praise in this room. Can I give some Give us your grace. Give us your glory. Watch over us. Protect us. And, and bind up 
all those demonic things that are in this world right now. We cut them down and break every contract of every witch and every warlock that's been made. We take back those things that the devil stole from us. And we take the victory of the Lord Jesus Christ and we declare it upon the mountaintop. We will, we will be the light in the darkness in the name of Jesus. We declare light in this place now. Every dark thing must leave in the name of Jesus. Nothing can stand. I pray deliverance. I pray healing. I pray overwhelming salvation in this place. A revelation of your love. A revelation of your power. And a move of your spirit in the name of Jesus. And they all said, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, this is my wife. <laughs> she is, I just got to say a few things about her. She is the most caring person I have ever met in my entire life. We've known each other for a little over 10 years now. And she challenges me every day. And I, some days I think I'm like, okay, I ain't there yet, but I'm a lot farther than I used to be. And then when she starts talking about how much she cares for the people at her work, how much she cares for her children, how much she cares for everybody that she sees around her, she sometimes weeps for the people that she sees that have this eternal destination for hell because of the choices that they're making. And she cares so strongly for people that it convicts me. And it brings me to this place that I, the heart that she has for people I'm like, Lord, I want that heart. And so, she's soft-spoken. She's not like me as much. Um, I'm passionate on the inside. Yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Um, but she has been just a blessing to me beyond compare. And I can't say enough about her. Um, today, we really want to talk about something that's been burning on our heart. On our heart. Something that we spend many nights sitting on the couch or around the table talking about, car rides talking about, and that is the idea of no compromise. So that's kind of where we're going to come from today, the idea of eradicating sin out of your lives, stepping away from making decisions that are causing you struggle and hurt, and stepping in to a Savior who is giving you life. So with that, I would just want to start out with saying, what is compromise? I got something written down here, which is pretty cool. I looked it up, um, and it says, what is compromise? Accepting standards that are lower than is desired. Can you identify a place in your life where you accepted something that is less than the desire of your heart? That is less than the expectation? Have you just been okay with it? What is compromise? It's the cause to become vulnerable or function less effectively. Have you ever felt ineffective? Have you ever felt like you probably could have done better? Or that you could have put more into a certain situation? That you could have gotten more out of something? And because of the lack of your passion or the lack of your input or the lack of your self-discipline, you didn't become as effective as you should have been. And so, what is compromise? This is compromise. Anything less than what is desired and anything less than fully effective, that is compromise. Mel is going to share with us today some concepts on what this kind of looks like in biblical scriptures that uh, reflect that. Right, so for us, compromise 
what Sam just said, what goes with that? We sin, right, when we compromise, when we compromise the word of God. So um, Pastor Deb was talking, we were um, conversating about what today would look like, and she said that it would be a good idea for us to define what sin was, mm -hmm. right? Um, so sin is an immoral act or thought, but mostly sin is an offense against God. We all kind of understand that that concept as Christians, as you read the Bible. Um, we had a hard time really narrowing down um, the scriptures that we wanted to use because there's a million of them that you can go through every book of the Bible and you're like, oh, wow, okay, let me underline that. Can we throw that in? So I'm like, eh. I'm like, what about this one? We got this one. We can put this one in, you know? So honestly, if you're struggling with things, the Bible is your best reference. Um, and then Pastor Matt, we were talking about, you know, what does sin look like? And Pastor Matt said that in his mind, he was thinking sin looked like a, um, a group of Christmas lights all tangled together, right? That it's encompassing, it's time-consuming, it's irritating, and, you know, it's intense. And um, I got to thinking, we were working yesterday, mm -hmm. and... Um, I was like, I know what sin looks like. It was like, bing! So if you want to put that slide up, this is what sin looks like, guys. <laughs> heavy. Heavy. Right? For some of you, this might look like torture. Hard work. But um, yesterday, we were unloading hay. And we did three loads of that, guys. I handled three loads of that. All by hand. Right? <laughs> But so as I was on um, the way, the tractor's running, it's quiet, I'm by myself because Sam's in the mound, um, taking every bale that I put down and he's putting it in the correct spot. I just had this revelation. I was like, God, this is what sin looks like in our life. You know, it's 85 degrees. I have pants, long sleeves, gloves and everything on, I'm sweating, um, I'm exhausted, and I know that I have three loads of that to do, and I'm halfway through the first one, and I'm like, wow, I'm going to be here till like 10 p.m., but really, as I'm working on this, God is showing me, he's like, Mel, this is what sin in life looks like, it's hard work, and when you load hay, what you realize is when that is empty, okay, and you're picking the loads off of the hay field, that bale way down there on that corner is the very first bale you pick up, right? So as I'm unloading, I'm unloading from this end. So in sin, think about that first amount of sin that you've created in your life. Like you're, you're handling that, and it's way down here. But for you to get started, you have to start all the way over there. And I was like... God, this is intense. Like, thank you for this image because right. as I'm unloading those bales, I'm like, okay, this is lust. Out. Come on. This Come is on. pain. Out. Mm -hmm. This is unforgiveness. Get out. Right. You know, like, right. help me, God, unload this bale. Unload this way. So. And it's crazy, like, how we begin in sin is we start out with that first bale, right? And we say, well, ah, it's happened. It's not a big deal. And we move on to the next thing, and then we just bury it in another sin. 
And instead of going to the Father and asking for repentance and getting it off the wagon right away, we just continue to bury it sin after sin after sin after sin, which becomes really, really heavy. And then all of a sudden you have an entire load. And now you're taking one off and you're putting another one back on. And you just continue this process of fighting, going back and forth, trying to unload and load at the same time. You're trying to, you're trying to get yourself right with God, but you're putting more sin on. You're taking some sins off, but you're putting more in this place. Instead of just sitting in a place of humbleness and saying that you're wrong and just stopping. And I know Jimmy Evans has a great quote on that. Yeah, uh, Jimmy Evans, he says, um, God wants to get you out of the hole, but you need to put down the shovel. That's right. Quit digging. Quit digging. Quit digging. So often we just sit in this place of, I can do it myself, God. I know I screwed up, Lord, but I'm going to get out. Don't worry, Lord, I got this. Why do you think Jesus died on the cross? So you didn't have to dig. Because you know what? He, he saw his people in the beginning. He saw Adam and Eve on top of the ground. And when they sinned for the first time, when they ate of that apple for the first time, they took that shovel and took out <coughs> excuse me, the first chunk of dirt. And then what did they do? They covered themselves. And they took out another chunk. Because they were ashamed of what God had created. And they just keep digging and digging and digging. But Jesus came and died on the cross so that we could put down the shovel. And he put us back on top of the ground. He brings freedom from sin. He alone. Is, it says, the Bible says he is the propitiation of. I used to know the definition off the top of my head. But you want to know, look it up. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, but he is the one that paid the ultimate price. And yet we try to do everything that we can to justify ourselves because we're too prideful, we're too ignorant in that place to give up and say, Lord, I need your help. So, um, so some scriptures that are super helpful. So we know what sin is, right? But... <laughs> The Bible gives us um, a clear idea of like how to define that. So uh, in Romans 14, 23, it says, But if you have doubts about whether or not you should eat something, you are sinning if you go ahead and do it. For you are not following your convictions. If you are doing anything you believe is not right, you are sinning. And then uh, Proverbs goes along with that. Proverbs 21, 2-3. It says, people may be right in their own eyes, but the Lord examines their hearts. The Lord is more pleased when we do what is right, but then when we offer Him sacrifices. So between those two verses, we all have convictions, right? We all know right from wrong. But the Bible is telling us to pay attention to those convictions. That um, there are a lot of ways that we can fall away from God, but really... In, in the spirit, right, it is black and it's white, guys. There is no, there's, there's no in the middle. God is, God is holy. And, you know, the sin and the world, we're fallen. And, you know, we have to examine our lives and take those things that we think are gray. And we have to say, God, is this black or is this white? You know, is this of you or is it against you? Because the Bible says that um, we're either for him or against him. We're not in the middle. It's not a thing, guys. 
So um, really take that to mind and understand. Um, there is a preacher, his name is Todd White. Do you guys know who that is? Super amazing guy. Um, I love the story that he tells, and I heard this probably about three years ago. Um, he tells the story about this atheist man that had contacted him and had um, wanted to be part of his ministry or get to know him more. But uh, what happened was this atheist said that the night before Todd White came into town, um, his dream, so this atheist dream was he saw a field, big, large, rolling field of, of wheat. And he said all of a sudden he was in the middle of the field. And in the field, there was this really long, long fence. It extended all the way over the horizon. You couldn't see the end. And uh, on one side, he saw a man, and he knew he was Jesus, and there was a multitude of people. And he looked the other way, and he saw a man that was dressed in a, in a suit and tie. Um, he said he almost seemed seductive, sort of, in his appearance. And he had a multitude of people. And this atheist said, well, I don't, you know, I know this is God, and I'm sure this is the devil, but I don't really, I don't, I'm not picking either. And all of a sudden, he found himself standing on the fence post, and he's like, okay, so he's deciding which crowd he's going to go with. And he said, all of a sudden, Jesus and that crowd disappeared, and the enemy, the devil, had come up to him, and he said, you're mine. And the atheist said, no, no, I didn't pick you. I'm on the fence. I haven't decided. He said, sir, the fence is mine. And that hit me. I was like, wow. You know, if you're on the fence, mm -hmm. the fence belongs to the end. That's right. That's right. There's a couple things that we wanted to point out to you guys this morning. Sin causes three things. God to resist us. The devil to attack us. And for us to lose our authority in Christ. It causes three things. Take notes, write them down. Sin will cause God to resist you, the devil to attack you, and for you to lose your authority in Christ. That's what these little things in your life do. God to resist us. Proverbs 2.8 says he guards the path of the just and protects those who are faithful to him. So continual sin is a sign of pride and arrogance, not faithfulness. That quote in itself. Continual sin is a sign of pride and arrogance, not faithfulness. If you're continuing sin, you're telling God, you're saying, I got this figured out, God, I can do this. This isn't that big of a deal. Don't worry about it. It's okay. And you're not following your convictions. You're not allowing your convictions to change your heart and to change your lifestyle. And you're just continuing in sin day after day after day. It's pride. You're prideful in the, in the place that you're in. You're not willing to say that I'm not right. You're not willing to say that maybe I don't have it all together. Maybe I do need to save you. It's not faithfulness. It's a big piece. What does James 4, 4 through 6 say? No. It says, you adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again. If you want to be a friend of this world, you make yourself an enemy of God. Do you think the scriptures have no meaning? They say that God is passionate, that the spirit has placed within us should be faithful to him. And he gives grace generously, as the scriptures say. 
God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. Come on. Pride is the number one reason Satan fell. He was not faithful to God. He thought he was better than God. He thought he had a right to be the way that he was. He thought he could do a better job than God could. And you know what? We may say to ourselves, well, I would never think that. But how often have you tried to do something in your own initiative, in your own power? Every one of us has. Instead of giving God the ability to help us out, we say, don't worry about this one, God. I got this. I'm, I'm guilty. Guilty as charged. Several weeks ago, I was deadlifting. And I stretched my back. And I thought, ow, that hurts. Man, I'm thinking, you shouldn't have done that extra rep. You wouldn't have stretched your back. And so, like, I got this pain, and my back is, like, sore, hurts. And I'm thinking, ah. Oh. And Mel asked me, she's like, you want me to pray for her? Should pray for her? I was like, yeah, I've prayed about it. And I've asked the Lord to heal her. I said, but it was kind of my own ignorance and my own stupidity that caused my back to stretch. So, in that moment, I was living in God. I was saying, God, that's not a big deal. My body will heal itself. Well, God created the body, you know, so really start to go through the process of things and he says without me you have nothing without me you have no healing without me you have no deliverance without me you have nothing you have no forgiveness of sins without me you have nothing so quit making up excuses humble yourself get before me and ask for healing your back may not be healed initially but i have put inside of your body everything that it needs to heal physically wholly completely everything that it needs just trust in me. And so in that moment, convicted, I was like, Lord, I need, I need to follow after you. See, we lose our authority in Christ. Mark 3.23 says, Jesus was accused of being possessed by Satan so that he could cast out demons. But this is what he said. How can Satan cast out Satan? He asked. A kingdom divided by civil war cannot stand. Isaiah Salvar talks about being holy so that you can be effective. Now, this is huge because a kingdom divided cannot stand. If I am continuing in sin, why would I think that God wants to be with me? Why would I think that God wants to be a part of me? He died for our sins. He gave us forgiveness of sins. But to continue in sin so that grace may abound isn't following the convictions that God put in our hearts when we receive Him. Do you truly believe to the point that where you begin to change? The devil will attack us. What does 1 John uh, 5.18 say? 1 John 5.18 says, We know that God's children do not make a practice of sinning, for God's Son holds them securely, and the evil one cannot touch them. That's right. So when we go outside the covering of the Lord, we give an opportunity for the devil to attack us. Why? He said, why, can, why, why am I going through this hard time? Why uh, is everything never working for me? Why, for some reason, can I never just get ahead? You're allowing, a lot of times, it comes down to people allowing the enemy to come in. Whether that one open door, whether it's like, I looked at that image one time on the computer, or I was with my boyfriend or girlfriend and I went a little bit too far. Or I did something that I knew in my heart wasn't correct. You're opening the door for opportunity for the enemy to come in to steal, kill, and destroy. He has legal right. We could spend hours on this, but he has legal right when we come outside the covering of God to come against him to attack. He has that right. 
Because you have given it to him. When Adam sinned, he gave legal right for the enemy to come in. That's just how it works. Legalities. Uh, Colossians 3, 5 through 8, and 2 Timothy 3, 2 through 5 gives us a huge example of, of sins. So I'm going to have them all read those off. This is long, guys. But really listen to... So this is two scriptures that I just kind of cut the words out in between and then just put all the sins together. But only these two scriptures are listening. Okay? So it says, So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lusts, evil desires, greed, um, idolatrous worship to things of this world, anger, rage, malice behavior, slander, dirty language. I'm only on the first one third, guys. Love of self, love of money, boastful of self, pride, scoffing at God, disobedience to the parents, ungratefulness, unloving, unforgiving, slander of others, no self-control, cruelty, hating of what's good, betrayal of friends and family, recklessness, puffed up with pride, love of pleasures rather than God, acting religious, and the rejection of God's power to change. That's intense, guys. I can, I can think and I can pick out a lot of those that I've done over the years, right? But um, the way God works is you wanna, we want to identify sin so that we can bring that to God and be forgiven, right? And start over. Every day, it's repentance. It's starting over anew every day. No matter what you've done, God still loves you. Um, but if we continue in sin, um, he'll give us over to what we desire, right? And we need God to be the desire of our heart. That's right. I think really, um, Galatians 5, 19 through 20, says, When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissensions, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other, thin, other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Will not inherit the kingdom of God. We're trying to, to, to really reveal to our minds and to who we are that if we continue in these things, we will not inherit the kingdom of God. So how do we drive out compromise and sin? Any ideas? Well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think, I read somewhere, I don't remember where I read it, um, but we say that the opposite of pride, let's say pride in your life, right? The opposite of pride is to be humble. But if you think about it, a Buddhist could be humble, mm. right? I know a lot of unbelievers that are pretty humble. Bless. No, the opposite of pride is prayer and uh -huh. praise to God because He is the one ultimately in control. And he is the only one that can help us get over that. We need to understand that God is above us, right? So I thought that was really good. Um, you really need to think about those things, right? Because, yeah, opposite of pride is humility, but the biggest key is prayer and obedience and praise to God. 
Truth, absolute truth. It seems simple, but overly complicated at the same time. I want to read for you guys a story in Numbers 25, verses 6 through 13. It says, Then, behold, one of the sons of Israel came and brought to his relatives a Midianite woman. In the sight of Moses and in the sight of all the congregation of the sons of Israel, while they were weeping at the doorway of the tent of meeting. When Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron the priest, saw it, he arose from the midst of the congregation and took a spear in his hand. And he went after the man of Israel into the tent and pierced both of them through. The man of Israel, the woman, through the body, so the plague on the sons of Israel was checked. Those who died by the plague were 24,000. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, has turned away from my wrath, has turned away my wrath from the sons of Israel, in that he was jealous with my jealousy among them, so that I did not destroy the sons of Israel in my jealousy. Therefore, say, behold, I give him my covenant of peace, and it shall be for him and his descendants after him a covenant of perpetual priesthood, because he was jealous for his God and made atonement for the sons of Israel. I tell you that story not to tell you to go around and take a spear and drive it through everything that you see unrighteous around you, okay? Phineas saw sin come into the camp of the Lord. And what had happened prior to this man coming with a Midianite woman was that the sons of Israel had run away from God and had started to go towards the people of Peor in that area. Peor and the area of Moab is kind of where they were at. And they were, they were going in because the people of the region had invited them. They were going in and they were beginning to bow down to idols and to do sacrifices to other gods. And they were running away from the God that had drawn them out of Egypt. The God who had split the sea. The God who had provided them manna. The God who had given them many miracles and given them water all throughout the desert. They were running away from God and allowing other gods to begin to take God's place. They were putting things before God. Let's make it simple. And in the midst of this happening, God is angered because he is jealous for his people. He is jealous for you this morning. He wants you. You might be thinking that, why could God want me? Because I have been so endowed with the things of this world for so long. I have done so many things. You have no idea. There is no way God could want this dirty, filthy, raggedy body. But I'm here to tell you this morning that God wants you, no matter where you've been, where you're at, or where you think you're going to be. He wants you this morning. He desires you. God desired his people. And so, he throws a, he, he brings a plague upon his people. And that's why we read that over 24,000 died before this plague was stopped. And in the midst of this plague, we find the people of Israel weeping for those that were executed, for going against God, for those that were doing things that God did not call them to do. And they're weeping. And here comes another one of the Israelites bringing a Midianite woman. Basically saying, I'm going to marry in to this region. I'm going to begin to sow seed in this region. And see, that's where it starts. It starts with a seed. It starts with one bale of hay. It starts with something small. And see, that's why God brought plagues in the Old Testament. is because He knew that if He had let the seed grow, it would begin to grow and cause death and destruction, not just to the ones that have caused the seed to be there, but to all those around them. Because we are easily influenced. 
And he was protecting his people, his people that he had called from the beginning. And the zeal of Phineas, the passion and pursuit of Phineas was so powerful inside of him. He, he wanted what God wanted. He knew who God was in his life. And he knew that this sin, when he saw this man bring this woman who was going to begin to sow seed into unrighteousness and unholiness and these sacrifices and these idols, he said, I will not stand for this sin and I'm going to kill it where it's at. And so he got up, grabbed his sword and began to run at these two. And we see a physical death. We see a driving of a spirit through two people who are running away from God and trying to bring others with them. I do not want to focus on the physical death. What I want you to see in this story is that that spear was the spear of the judgment of God driving into the flesh of corruption. And God wants to drive a spear through each and every sin that you have ever dealt with, are dealing with now, may deal with in the future, anything that He has seen you do or, or even thought. He wants to drive a spear through it and drive it out of your life. Because you know what happened when He did that? The plague stopped. It stopped. We have got to get to a point where we're willing to say enough is enough. I am done. And be zealous for the things of God. Be zealous for his, for who he is, for the things that he stands for. It is time to stand up in a world that continues to run after everything that is said, everything that is put in front of them, and they just say, Oh, I want to be part of that too. Oh, I want to do that too. Oh, that sounds cool. Oh, yeah, that's, that's really bad. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay away from that too. And we will not stand up and we just continue to compromise. The title of this message is No Compromise. God has set before us a righteous foundation in Jesus Christ. He was a man who came, never sinned, and he died on a cross for everything you did, everything I did, everything anybody did in this entire world. He took the judgment. And he said, it is finished. Done. Done. And he drove out everything you could possibly bring in. He was the head of the spear. And he drove out everything that the flesh could ever even think of or do. In Hebrews, it talks about how the sword of the spirit of the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing between bone and marrow, soul and spirit. It's so sharp that it can slice away your flesh from the Spirit of God, your sins from your body. Now, we're not going to kill this physical body. God gave us this body to live in, and he is someday going to resurrect this body. But that doesn't mean that we can't allow our convictions to push us to a pursuit of wholeness, purity, and completeness. Jesus, I'm not going to read this for, uh, because of time, but Jesus, um, in the beginning of his ministry, went into the temple right after the miracle at Cana in the book of John. So John, I believe it's the end of chapter 2. He goes into the temple, and he sees all these people in the temple, buying and selling, making gain off of other people's poverty, making gain off of other people's lack to have a sacrifice, making gain off of other people's sins, waiting for people to come in to present themselves before the Lord, using the presence of God as a tool to make money. And Jesus was disgusted. And he said, you have set up enough tables, you have brought enough iniquity and unrighteous things into the house of God. He said, enough is enough. And he took the tables and he tossed them. 
And he drove him out. says he drove him out with a scourge, which is a whip. Now, I don't believe he, he hit anybody, but I believe that they ran out in fear. I mean, he drove him out because he was zealous for the temple of God. He was zealous for the place of worship. He was zealous for the things that God had called him for. He was zealous for the the principles, the attributes, and the characteristics of who his God was. And he was not going to allow them to be defiled or be reflected impurely. God calls us to purity. And I just want to ask you today, has God tossed the tables in your life? Has God driven a spear in your life? Have you felt like you have been pierced? Like you just can't get through? Like everything was going great and you were doing really well and people liked you and you had everything going for you and God came along and you stepped into this service today and all of a sudden I'm talking about all this stuff and you're looking at everything that you just accomplished and you're saying this guy can't be right. Look at all the things that I have. I'm here to tell you that God wants to toss your table today. He wants to drive out every sin in your life because he knows that you cannot inherit the kingdom of God if we continue in the path that we are on. It is black and white. Like Mel said, it is black and white. It is black and white. And our passion to see people come before the Lord, to see people allow their convictions to drive them to a better life, to pursue God. I want to pursue God till I become like him. Say, take up your cross daily. Deny yourself and follow me. You know what? When you follow somebody, you begin to do the things that they do. That becomes the characteristics of who you are. Are you truly following God? You can ask yourself that today. Am I truly following God today? Am I truly doing what God wants me to do? Take a good look at your life. Where are you at today? I can't tell you how many times God has tossed the tables in my life. I can't tell you how many times God has pierced the sin in my life. And I've had to come to means with it and drive it out. I've had to say enough is enough. I've had to move on. 1 Peter 4, verse 1 through 2 says, Therefore, since Christ has suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same purpose, because he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live the rest of the time in the flesh no longer for the lust of men, but for the will of God. Arm yourselves. I'm going to read that again. Arm yourselves also with the same purpose that Christ suffered in the flesh. Are you suffering? Does your flesh feel like you're suffering? Sin feels good, doesn't it? It does. You don't have to lie to me. I know it does. I've done it. I used to go out and drink and party and do all kinds of things with all kinds of different friends. And in the moment, I was like, oh, this is super awesome. This is super fun. And in the morning, I woke up with a headache, and I didn't feel very good, and I wasn't wasn't sure, you know, like, oh, what did I do last night? This is crazy. And then all of a sudden people would tell me and I'd be like, well, that wasn't very good or this wasn't good. And I'd have this conviction in my heart. It felt good in the moment because I was following the enemy. It felt good in the moment because I was following the world because I was surrounded by people that were doing the exact same thing. And I felt comforted because I was surrounded by them. But you know what? There's a lot of people running in that direction. And I had to kill my flesh. I had to stop hanging out with the people that I called brothers and sisters. People that would go to the bar, people that would influence me. I had to stop. There came a point where I didn't, I was like, Lord, how do I choose between these friends that would die for me and the church and your people and serving you? He says it's easy. 
Which way are they drawing you? Are you getting closer to me? Are you coming into my kingdom? Or are you walking and running straight into the devil's kingdom? Which way are you running today? Are you setting your tables up? Are you getting ready to make some money off the Christians in this world? Are you getting ready to make a, your money off the people that are poor? Are you getting ready to do things that cause hurt in your heart, but you deny it? Because it seems like the world says it's good. Acts 3.19 says, Repent and return, and I will wipe away your sins. So that times of refreshing can come in the presence of God. God wants to refresh you. I can't tell you how much we've talked about this, how much this has burned in our own hearts because we so often see people say, I want a closer walk with God. I want to be closer to God. I want, to, I want God to do what he's doing in your life, in my life. And we so lack the understanding that it takes sacrifice. That we have to die to ourselves. That we can't keep doing everything the world tells us to do. Begin to identify the things in your life that are causing you to move from God. I shut my TV off over five years ago because it was driving me away from God. I quit drinking alcohol over five years ago because even though it was one drink at a time, and hear me, even though it was one drink at a time and I was talking to people about the Lord while having that drink, it was nothing more than a picture of compromise. I can't drive that home enough. It was a picture of compromise, saying you can follow the Lord and you can be in the world. And maybe that resonates with you today. And maybe you think it's still okay, but that's fine. But I'm here to tell you that God is not calling us to just get close. He's not calling us just to get to where we think we're okay. He's not calling us to this idea of perfection. He's calling us to literal perfection. Why? Because all things are possible through God. I tell this story all the time. Jesus, the rich young ruler, comes to Jesus and he says, what do I have to do to inherit the kingdom of God? And he says, follow the commandments. And he names off a bunch of commandments. And the, and the rich young ruler says to Jesus, he says, I've done these since I was a youth. He says, yeah, but one thing you lack. Sell all that you have. Give it to the poor and follow me. God is not worried about the surface things. He's going for the deep. Purity is not stained. Oh my Jesus. You got to get that. Purity is not stained. No matter how small the stain, it's not stained. The best part about that story with a rich young ruler is, rich young ruler, is the disciples say, because Jesus says how hard it will be for a rich man to get into heaven. It will be easier for a, cam or a camel to go through the eye of a needle. And the disciples say to him, 
If a rich man can't make it, who can? See, a rich man was someone who was held of high regard. They had everything. They had made it in life. They had money. They had food. They had water. They were respected. They were looked up to. And if a rich man couldn't make it, how are we going to make it? That's what the disciples were saying to God. They said, Jesus, if that rich man can't make it, there's no way we can. And Jesus turns to them and says, all things are possible through God. You say, nobody's perfect. I say, all things are possible through God. You say, I can never overcome this sin. I say, all things are possible through God. You say, they will never love me for who I am if I'm a Christian. I say, all things are possible through God. You say, there is no way I can have victory in this area of my life. I say, all things are possible through God. You've got to begin to tell the devil what's up. Mighty Jesus. All things are possible through God. This isn't just a a fancy story. It's not just a fancy way of life. It's black and white. God wants you today. Are you going to let him clean out your temple? Because that temple was, was physical in the time of Jesus. But we see in the New Testament that the temple is our body. And he will toss the tables in your body. And he will drive a spear of judgment through every dark, broken place in your life to cause purity to come. Because the purer you are, the closer he can get to you. You want God to move in your life? Draw close to him. Everybody stand up. Close your eyes. I just want to ask you today, I know... There's people here today that have been dealing with sin for a very, very, very long time. There are places in your life that you cannot seem to get over. There are places in your life that you cannot seem to kick. There are things that are drawing you down day after day, hour after hour. There's a mindset in your mind that God wants to take and remove because it's unholy. It's impure. He wants to toss the tables in your life. That's what happens when you talk too long that the mic dies. But I'm coming before you today and I'm asking if you want God to move in your life, that you begin to stand up and step out. I'm going to open this altar up for you come physically lay down whatever you need if you got needles lay them down if you got pictures lay them down maybe you just need to talk with God but I will encourage you to come to this altar and lay it before him because God wants he calls you free Galatians 5 1 portion of it says it was for freedom that he set us free he wants you to walk in a dominion of freedom He wants you to be free. He doesn't want you to be caught up. He doesn't want you to be held down. He doesn't want you to be chained to those things in your mind, those things of your friends, those things of this world. And just maybe, the plague will stop. If you are here for the first time today and you've never received Christ into your life, 
Maybe you don't even know what that means because I talk a lot about it. But Jesus came, died for your sins. He took the judgment on the cross for everything that you've done, are doing, and will do in the future. And to receive that freedom, that forgiveness, comes by a repentant heart, comes by coming before him and asking for forgiveness and inviting him into your life so that he can make you holy, so that you can become the temple of God. If you're here today and you've never done that before, I just want you just to raise your hand and I want to pray with you. In a moment, I'm going to pray and then I'm going to ask you to come and lay down everything, whether physically, mentally, and we're going to worship God. But let's pray. I just want you to repeat after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I ask for forgiveness. I repent of my sins. I repent of everything I've ever done. And I ask, Lord, that you come into my life and make me anew. Dwell in this body. Which was once part. Come and make it whole. Drive out all sin in my life. I receive you now. Thank you, Jesus. And they all said, Amen. If you've said that for the first time, or maybe you're renewing it in your life, I'm going to encourage you to pursue God with everything you got. Everybody's going to be running the other way, and they're going to be telling, you need to follow us, you need to tell, follow us. You might be the one person going the opposite direction, but you follow God. So you follow God. In a moment, we're going to worship. And I want you to give everything you have to the Lord. I want you to lay it down. And I want you to allow Him to move in your life. Thank you for your attentiveness to the Word. Let's worship God. At Refuge, we believe all people matter to God. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to connect further with Refuge, feel free to go online to wearerefuge.net or on social media at wearerefuge.